to Romans chapter 4 and consider for a few more minutes the doctrine of justification by the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ given to us freely by the grace of God, evidenced by faith that Paul presents in this epistle. We have made our way to the third verse, and that third verse says to us, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. We went back to Genesis chapter 15 and found that particular event in Abraham's life listed, and those words, or similar words to them, describing Abraham's faith. Abraham believed the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And we want to consider the importance of this statement. The Apostle Paul brings that statement up here, and the Apostle Paul brings it up in other places as well. Turn with me to Genesis, to Galatians, excuse me, Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. In Galatians chapter 3 we have a, an occurrence of this very same statement as Paul wrote a similar epistle to the churches of the Galatians to save them from the Jewish legalists. In verse 6 of Galatians 3, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. There we have it again with a slightly different use of words. Instead of count, we have the word account. There shouldn't be a whole lot of trouble with us understanding those two words. One is to count. We would usually think one by one adding up sums. And the other is account, which is to use some work in making assessments about books, which is the same as the other two words that we're about to look at. In James chapter 2, the Apostle James uses the same event in Abraham's life, although he is dealing with a very different aspect of Abraham's justification. And we want to see that here. James chapter 2 and verse 23. I just want to get the middle of the statement about Abraham in James 2. Verse 23, And the Scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. Now by looking at those three verses, we can see that count, account, and impute are synonyms. They mean the same thing. Because the three quotations of Genesis 15:6, two by Paul and one by James, use three different words. The word in Genesis 15 is count. Then Paul in Romans 4 uses count. Then he uses account in Galatians 3, and James uses impute right here. When we come back to Romans chapter 4, we can find other words used. In verse 4, Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned. And we're going to run into that word as it's used in several places here. Reckoned. Like verse 10. Verse, let's get verse 9. For we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. In verse 9 of Romans chapter 4, where did Paul get that statement, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness? He took it from Genesis 15. He's already stated it in verse 3 of this chapter. So now we're up to four synonyms. 
The four synonyms being count, account, impute, and reckon. And they all mean the same thing. To do accounting used to be reckoning. Brother Jeff reminded me at break time of Matthew chapter 18, where it's used in an accounting sense. Look at Matthew chapter 18 with me, where you can see two of these four synonyms used in an accounting setting. Matthew chapter 18, verse 23, the Lord Jesus Christ said and taught, Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. He wanted to see the accounting records and to take into account those servants and how faithful they had been. Verse 24, And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Notice that to take an account and to do reckoning involves looking at a person's account and see where it stands. When we look at our lives and we look at the life of Abraham, there are things that we are adding to our account. Not to earn heaven, but adding to our account to be the evidence of heaven. And this is the place of faith in Abraham's life, and it's the place of faith in our life, in our lives together. Many events occurred in Abraham's life in which it could have been said that he did this and it was counted to him for righteousness. God is going to say about Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 that now I know that thou fearest me, as if Genesis 15 was quite inadequate to prove the point, and James says it definitely was. It's easy to believe a promise. It's harder to put that promise into practice and to believe it so strongly that you would kill your son, your only son, your only begotten son, with the confidence God would raise him from the dead. That's the confidence Abraham had. That was his faith. But notice the four synonyms that we have here by just comparing Genesis to Romans to Galatians to James. We come up with impute and reckon, account and count as four different verbs that the Bible uses to describe the effect of faith and what faith does in our lives. I hope that I have made clear that Genesis 15.6 was written for the use of Paul to show that Abraham was declared righteous on the ground of faith without the works of the law. On the ground of faith before circumcision. And that's why it was written. But it was not written only for that reason. It was also written to encourage us that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the initial, basic, fundamental evidence of our own justification. And to that, we are to add the works of righteousness that should naturally flow from it. This simple, profound clause is of great importance that we are dealing with. It was counted unto him for righteousness. What was counted? His faith. Abraham's faith in believing in Genesis 15 when God said, You are going to have a seed out of your own bowels. You are not going to have to give the inheritance to Eliezer of Damascus that you picked up when you came through Haran. I'm going to give you a seed of your own bowels, and it's going to be this great in multitude. Come outside and tell the number of the stars. 
I want you to understand that the word tell, when it says tell the stars, the word tell means count. It doesn't mean to start talking to the sky and tell the stars anything in the sense of speaking to the stars. It's the same as when David brought in his dowry to King Saul, and it says he counted it out in full tale. T-A-L-E. He told the number. He counted them out. It's just a different verb that is used for counting. Tell the stars if you can number them. Tell means to count them. Abraham couldn't count them, and the Lord said to him, So shall thy seed be. Your seed is going to be as many as all those stars that you don't even want to attempt to try to number because there's so many and they're so scattered, you'd lose your place and not get the right number. Some you see, some you can't see. Some might be hid from your view this night. Some might be hid from your view by clouds, but you're not going to be able to count them all. Abraham believed the Lord. Abraham believed, I am going to have a seed from my own bowels. I will be this male's father, and it will end up with a seed being very large in number. He believed, and the Lord counted that to him for righteousness, as it says there in Genesis chapter 15. The Apostle Paul uses this phrase so much. He uses it in verse 3. He uses it in verse 9. And his whole chapter is basically about it here in Romans 4. He uses it in Galatians 3, and James uses it. We want to understand that God pulled this man forward as our example of justification. And he used it very wisely with the Jews, because Abraham was the father of Israel, and he was the greatest Jew there ever was, and he was the one the Jews trusted in the most that would certainly be in heaven. And if Abraham was certainly in heaven, we ought to look into how Abraham was declared righteous by God. We need to ask, was his faith put on a scale of good to be counted or added up toward his final justification and that he was earning his way to heaven? Is that what the word count means? Was this act of faith decisional regeneration like the Arminians teach? at which time Abraham's old man and the will of the flesh finally decided for Jesus. And he was born again. His name was written down in glory. And he was seen for the first time as being righteous before God. That's what they believe. Not a chance is that true. That doesn't match with anything found in the Bible. That's a man-made religion of works where they make faith the work. And they want to excuse all the other verses that teach so much more. You ought to hear an Arminian scramble around with Mark 16.16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. Do we believe that? Yes. A man that believes and is baptized shall be saved. In the great day of judgment, he has shown two marks of evidence, which are greater than one, Baptism being an act and a work of righteousness that we add to our faith in order to show that we're righteous. And in that great day of judgment, we shall be saved. But there's a whole lot more. You know, you should see them scramble when verses like, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. You know what they say? There's nothing you can do. There's nothing you can do. Nothing. There's nothing you can do. 
except believe and invite Jesus into your heart. But when you read the Bible, to ask a dead man to invite Jesus into his heart is a rather difficult task. You know, they think that belief is just something so simple, but when you read the Bible, we're not born in a condition to believe easily. We're born in a condition that we hate God. And the preaching of the gospel is to us foolishness. So how in the world would we believe on Jesus? It's a great work to believe on Jesus. Yet they say it's nothing at all. But it's everything because it makes all the difference in their lives between those that go to hell and those that go to heaven. We want to know what happened to Abraham. Was this act of faith the instrument as the Calvinists would say, or the means of regeneration. Did the gospel come to Abraham at this moment in Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6, and Abraham believed the gospel and get regenerated by the power of that preached word? It was preached by a great preacher. It was God speaking from heaven. But was the gospel powerful enough to regenerate Abraham? And so that simultaneously his faith came into existence and he believed that message and it was counted to him for righteousness and he was now seen as righteous in the sight of God. We deny. We deny. If you read a Calvinist very far, you will not find much difference between them and Arminians. One of the men who trained and taught me said, you scratch a Calvinist, you'll find an Arminian. You know, it's like when you scratch the paint on a repainted car, you're going to find out what color it once was. And if you scratch a Calvinist, you'll find an Arminian. They both end up at the same place. Faith, your faith, your exercise of faith is the condition, or they'll modify that word to instrument or means, that is God's vehicle for you being justified in His sight. But we we deny both. We deny both vociferously. We deny both angrily that they have confused the Word of God. Faith is the evidence of eternal life. And the things that we're to add to faith are the evidences of eternal life. They show us to be born again. They show us to be just. They show us to be righteous. And God counts them as evidence of righteousness. We have four synonyms. Faith was counted to Abraham for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6 and Romans 4, 3. Faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. Chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Faith was imputed to righteousness, to Abraham for righteousness. Romans 4, 11. You, you want to see it? 4, 11. Did he get three into one chapter? Did the Apostle Paul put three in one chapter? He did. Verse 3. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Verse 9. Last clause of the verse, for we say that faith was reckoned to Abraham for righteousness. And verse 10 goes on to describe reckoning. How about verse 11? He received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had, yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be counted unto them also. No, That righteousness might be reckoned unto them also. No. That righteousness might be imputed unto them also. In one chapter, we have three of the synonyms used. Thank you, Lord. We're going to take your word and trust it. And then we have the the verb accounted over in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 6. These are all synonyms without any significant differentiation in intent or meaning at all. 
and they're all taken from Genesis 15.6 to describe the role of faith and justification. The role of faith and having God's righteousness upon us and being declared righteous by God. The four verbs. It's our responsibility to identify exactly what these mean. Consider this sentence with me. Abraham believed Jehovah's promise. And Jehovah counted, reckoned, imputed, and accounted Abraham's faith in his promise to Abraham for righteousness. I want you to think about it that way. Let me say it again. We've taken the four synonyms and put them into a sentence by expanding Genesis 15:6 out to help us understand it. Abraham believed Jehovah's promise. And Jehovah counted, reckoned, imputed, and accounted Abraham's faith in his promise to Abraham for righteousness. Now, having studied Phinehas earlier this morning, and I don't think we're going to have time to get to him, remember, the very same terminology was used in Psalm 106 and verse 31 about Phinehas and his javelin work with two whoremongering Israelite, an Israelite and a Moabite. Let me remind you something about the importance of words in the Bible. This is where we differ from other people. We do not believe it's a coincidence that the word counted is used in Genesis 15.6 and Psalm 106 verse 31. We believe it is by divine providence and a specific choice that God would put that same word there in both places. And we believe that on the authority of God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and in other places where he told us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Don't add to his words, and don't take away from his words, because every one of them is important. And that is why, my men, young and old, I have tried to teach you and teach you repeatedly, including this past Wednesday evening, are you able to substantiate to anyone at any time the examples in the Bible where Jesus and Paul argued from individual words for doctrinal arguments. Do you remember them? Because every word is important. Therefore, we reject all paraphrases as novels about the Bible because they're not using God's words and they change the words so you can't compare the words when we're told to compare the words. We reject the NIV because it's called a dynamic equivalent translation, meaning we use words that were as close as we could dynamically equivocate with them to be equivalent to what we believe are the originals. They change the words of God into their own words. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.13. This is not us hunting and pecking with a Bible search program to find some verse that has the word counted in it. Do you understand that the language of Genesis 15 and the language of Psalm 106 is identical? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. Phinehas exercised zeal, and it was counted to him for righteousness. 1 Corinthians 2.13, verse 13, Which things also we speak, the things of the Spirit of God, that are freely given to us of God. Is that justification? Is justification freely given to us, according to Romans 3.24? Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which The Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Brethren, I asked the question on Wednesday evening. What is the which that the Holy Ghost teacheth? 
words. Let me insert it this time so that you can follow. Verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 2, Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but in the words which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Do you grasp that and do you understand it? We are to compare spiritual with spiritual. So we, we see the identical language used in Psalm 106 for Phinehas that is used in Genesis 15 for Abraham. And we say we've got a Bible commentary. Therefore, if we look at Genesis 15 and make that the condition for God's righteousness being on Abraham, then we've got to do the same in Psalm 106. And therefore, zealous works of devotion to God and judging sinners is necessary in order to have righteousness counted to us. But if we look at them as the evidence, we see that one is just an action and one is faith. The action flowed from Phinehas's faith and Abraham's faith was fulfilled when he put Isaac on an altar to offer him as a burnt sacrifice. The reason we spend so much time here is I don't want you ever going into Romans 4 and thinking that maybe the Arminians are right. They're wrong. You're misunderstanding Romans chapter 4. Paul is dealing against Jewish legalists, and so God, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, brings up this verse that was written for this purpose. To let us know about Abraham. How was he declared righteous before God by the evidence of his faith? Back to Romans. Every man seeks to be righteous before God. Every born-again man. I hope everyone under the sound of my voice to be counted righteous by God. And God here counted Abraham as a righteous man by virtue of his faith and his promise. And if you believe the promises that God has given in Scripture, and if you believe the history that God has revealed in Scripture, your faith by the written statement of the Bible is counted to you for righteousness. Because verse 23 of this chapter tells us that Genesis 15:6 was not just written to help us with Abraham, it was written to help us with you. So that you could know that if you believe on God who sent His Son, Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ was raised for your justification. Evidenced by your faith. There is no quantity of things to be numbered, so we know the word count doesn't literally mean one, two, three, four, five. It means something else. Here it is. Here's the dictionary definitions for these four synonyms. To count, used in this kind of a context. To esteem, remember I'm using the Oxford English Dictionary. It is the superlative dictionary of the English language and it has no peer, no Webster, doesn't even come close. Webster is a dime store novel. Any dictionary by Webster is a dime store novel compared to the Oxford English Dictionary. The Oxford English Dictionary is not inspired, but it is the final authoritative dictionary of the English language. There's no, it has no, 20 volumes compared to a little tiny paperback? Oh, you say, but I got the hardback, Webster's. Okay, it weighs about two pounds compared to the 175 pounds of an Oxford English Dictionary. Listen to these careful words that are chosen, and I find this almost amusing for the glory of God. Count, the definition. To esteem, account. Now, wait a minute. Did they read the Bible? The definition of count is account. 
Let's start over with this sentence. To esteem, account, reckon. No, wait a minute. They must have read the Bible. Count. To esteem, account, reckon, consider, regard, hold a thing to be so-and-so. Oh, sweet. Sweet. Is that what you wanted to say? Is that what makes sense with the rest of the Bible? That's exactly what makes sense with the rest of the Bible. How about the verb reckon? To consider, judge, or estimate by or as the result of calculation. How about impute? To reckon, come on now. If you just keep using each other as definitions, then we're going to think that you're just synonyms. To reckon or take into account, this is impute, to reckon or take into account, to reckon, regard, consider, account, to reckon, estimate, value, hold, a thing to be, so and so. These words all mean to consider, esteem, hold, or regard a thing to be so-and-so. So listen to me. Abraham believed Jehovah's promise. And Jehovah considered, esteemed, held, and regarded Abraham's faith in his promise as evidence and proof of Abraham's righteousness. Exactly the definition of those four different words in our language. Exactly fitting what the Bible has to say about justification and righteousness. Abraham's faith didn't change him a bit. Abraham's faith didn't change his standing in heaven. God just looked at his faith and gave a written testimony that that was an act of righteousness. And God put a tally mark, as my brother Jeff was describing it at break time, or God accounted it and added another evidence in Abraham's life. There were hundreds of them, dozens at least, in Genesis 12 through 24, evidences that showed Abraham was a righteous man. And his faith is the first. And his faith didn't start in Genesis 15. His faith started way back in chapter 11 when he came out of Ur of the Chaldeans. Hebrews 11 says he did it by faith. Did God repay Abram's faith with righteousness? Or was he already a righteous man and the faith showed that he was a righteous man? And God, the, ins- the great Father and Spirit that we deal with, looked at Abraham and said that kind of faith is the evidence. I hold and regard and consider and esteem Abraham to be a righteous man by virtue of what he just did. He just believed me when I told him to go outside and though he doesn't have a son to look at the stars... And that is how many your seed is going to be. And he believed me. And so the Lord counted it, accounted it, reckoned it, imputed it, considered it, regarded it, esteemed it as evidence that he was righteous. To regard or consider or esteem a thing to be so and so. He counted it. He counted it. Abraham's faith. For righteousness. He counted Abraham's faith 
to be the proof and evidence, the sign, the mark that Abraham was a righteous man. We do not exercise faith in order to be made righteous. We exercise faith and we believe to have the evidence of our righteousness. And all the effort that I am forced to put into this is because of the Arminian corruption of the doctrine of faith. They make faith and a decision for Jesus as a condition of the old man, a sinful man, a dead man, in trespasses and sins, in order to be made alive, a condemned man, in order to be justified, a man in enmity, in order to be reconciled. When in fact, faith is the first of our evidences of all those things. They're not conditions, they're not instruments, and they're not means. Did God repay Abram's faith with righteousness, or did God commend his faith as righteous? He commended his faith as righteous, just like he did Phinehas. Abraham had great faith and great works long before Genesis 15. It's just that the Holy Spirit put those words there for Paul to use later in dealing with Jewish legalists and in dealing with us. That we can understand how. If Romans chapter 8 is true, for whom he did foreknow, he predestinated, called, justified, and glorified, and it's all past tense and done, how do I know that I'm one of those? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Romans 10 is going to be all about. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When you hear the testimony that God has given of His Son Jesus Christ, and you believe it, it's evidence that you're one of God's. For whosoever believeth on Him shall not be ashamed. When you stand in that great day, faith is your evidence just like it was for Abraham. God counts it to us for righteousness. God doesn't add it up and say, oh, finally, they've believed enough times and invited Jesus into their heart enough times. They're now righteous. See, that's what I used to do. I'd invite Jesus into my heart. Then I'd read some verse like Revelation chapter 20 and verse 15 that says, Whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life was cast in the lake of fire. And I'd scratch my little five-year-old head, then a ten-year-old, then a fifteen-year-old, then a matriculated freshman at Bob Jones University. I'd scratch my head and I'd say, hmm. So, by by the theology I've been taught, and I wasn't smart enough to put it in these words, by what I've done, by believing on Jesus, God bent over in His great throne and wrote my name in the book of life. Hello, Jonathan. You know that isn't true. You know that your faith is so weak and wanders all over the place. You know God hasn't rewarded you with you writing your name in the book of life. In fact, why don't you start reading the Bible to find out when you got your name in the book of life. And by the grace of God, the Lord came and comforted me with the truth of the gospel that it was written there before the world began. I mean, that's a scary verse. Do you like that verse? And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Well, how do I know my name was written in the book of life? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. But that didn't get my name written there. Because my name was written there, God had foreknown me, predestinated me, called me, justified me, and as far as He's concerned, glorified me. With that work, which is including the regeneration by the Spirit of God, I believe on His Son, Jesus Christ. It's the evidence of eternal life. It's not a condition for it. And we have to work so hard because so much damage has been done 
and those of you who have sat with me through countless hundreds and thousands of hours of Arminian appeals for sinners to change themselves from a state of condemnation to one of justification, for sinners to change themselves from a state of death to a state of life, for goats to change themselves to the sheep of Jesus Christ, for reprobates to change themselves to the elect. And none of that is possible, nor is any of that scriptural. God has saved us by His free grace, purchased for us through the Lord Jesus Christ and applied powerfully and sovereignly like the way the wind blows by the Holy Spirit of God. And only then do we start to see the effects of where that wind has blown by the changed lives that believe the gospel message of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you believe the gospel, whether it be Lydia or the Philippian jailer, whether it be Cornelius, the Apostle Peter could look at him and say, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Right. Not shall be accepted with him. Right. Two present tense verbs and a perfect tense verb, meaning Cornelius was accepted with God. Right. As Peter looked upon him and realized, aha, now I know what that sheep meant with all those unclean animals let down to me. I'm supposed to show mercy toward these Gentiles because God has saved them too. Abraham was already elect to justification before the world began, according to the eternal purpose of God. He was already fully justified in the sight of God by the everlasting covenant of grace, by the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on his behalf. He didn't add a thing to that in Genesis chapter 15. He didn't add a thing to his nature. He was already a born-again man. He had a new man within him that wanted to do what God called him to do, that was willing to leave Ur, willing to leave Aaron, willing to take on armies to rescue Lot because he trusted God would be with him, though he only had farmhands with him. Right. Although he, to give tithes to Melchizedek as the priest of the Most High God, all of that was generated by faith, but his faith was generated by regeneration. And regeneration is the creative work of God. For he has created us, again, in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Abraham was fully justified in the sight of God already, but God counted, regarded, esteemed, considered, estimated that the faith that Abraham showed was the evidence, the proof, the sign, the mark of his righteousness. He counted it to him. He accounted it. He reckoned. He imputed. All words meaning the same thing. And don't let that word impute get you because it starts with the same letter that igloo starts with. Impute does not mean to infuse. It means to... Let me read it to you again. What does the OED say about the word impute? To reckon. Well, that's a big help. Or take into account. It is a big help. It tells you that impute doesn't mean infuse. It tells you that impute means to reckon or take into account... To reckon, regard, consider a thing to be so-and-so. That Abraham's faith was a sign of his righteousness. It was an act of his righteousness. Abraham was already a righteous man. And so we have an understanding, I hope, of Genesis 15:6, which gives us an understanding of Romans 4, which gives us an understanding of Galatians 3, which gives us a partial understanding of James 2. Because James is going to teach Genesis 15.6 was fulfilled in Genesis 22.12. When Abraham raised a knife to slay his son Isaac, 
And God called out of heaven, Abraham, don't you touch your son. Now I know that thou fearest me. Because James would then say, seest how that by his works, Abraham was justified and not by faith only. And the promise, the statement that Abraham believed God and was counted to him for righteousness was fulfilled in chapter 22. So what is up? What is the purpose of our life today? I believe that, and I hope that we're all believers right now as we leave this assembly. But as we leave this assembly as believers, are we going to fulfill Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness by adding to it works of devotion and obedience to God that he has laid upon us. Things like, add to your faith virtue. And Brother Newell has written devotionals for you the last couple of weeks on those eight things in Second Peter chapter 1. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge patience, and patience temperance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity. We're to add those things to our faith. Then, we're like, we're fulfilling James 2. We're justified by works in the sense that we have shown our faith to be valid. And if our faith is valid, then it's an evidence of our righteousness because our faith comes through the righteousness of Jesus Christ given to us. Abraham believed Jehovah's promise and Jehovah considered, esteemed, held, and regarded Abraham's faith in his promise as evidence and proof of Abraham's righteousness. He counted it to him for righteousness. He wasn't earning his way to heaven by having all these things counted up and added up and added up until, okay, we'll let you into heaven, Abraham. You are a righteous man. You, you've earned it. No. It was God made a promise and Abraham believed and it showed that he was a righteous man. Then he offered Isaac, which showed it even better. And when we're baptized, we show it better than when we just believed. And after we believe and baptized, if we walk in newness of life, then we have verses like Romans chapter 8 that say to us, there is therefore now no condemnation. Do you know what that means? It means justification. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. See, why don't the Arminians want that text? I'm going to tell you why the Arminians don't want that text. Because 99% of those that believe on Jesus Christ, whom they guarantee had their names written in heaven, for which they sang the song, didn't get their names written in heaven because they never show anything in their lives. The studies that have been done on those that have come forward at Billy Graham Crusades are, is nauseating. It is statistically significant by how in the world could such a high percentage of people who have professed faith in Jesus Christ never live for him another day? That isn't the evidence. Romans 8 is part of the evidence. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And the descriptive phrase here is, not who believed on his son Jesus, but who walked not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, as we leave this place, we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't believed, believe on Him. God has given every evidence possible to show you that Jesus Christ truly came to earth and laid down His life for us and rose up into heaven. These are mysteries that the world doesn't know about, but He's shown them to us and we believe them. But we want to do more than just believe. We want to add to that faith the things that the Bible describes, like walking after the Spirit 
and not after the flesh. So as we leave this place, let's put our flesh down and put our spirit up. Let's add to our faith the things that are described in 2 Peter 1. Let's do those things that are commanded to us of Scripture. Let's be willing to distribute and ready to communicate. You know, in 1 Timothy 6, it's giving. Giving lays up a good foundation against the time to come. Well, I thought the only foundation was Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus is the only foundation. But the foundation for your hope and the foundation for your assurance are the good works that the Bible describes. Because not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. So Romans 4 is perfectly consistent with everything else we know in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. It is the evidence of righteousness. It is the evidence of justification. Faith is not the condition, the instrument, or the means. It is the evidence. And what should we do? We should believe. What should we do after believing? Be baptized. What should we do after believing being baptized? Have a new life. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Well, what things are become new? Like love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. The fruit of the Spirit. It should be flowing out of our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And with those things, we can say, we can know of a surety. We can assure our hearts before Him. First John chapters 3, 4, and 5 tells us we can assure our hearts before God that we are His elect, we are His children, Jesus Christ died for us, and we shall be in heaven in that place by our love of the brethren. Because the fruit of the Spirit is Love. And there the whole Bible is. We have works, faith, baptism, and they're all together evidences of eternal life. The minute you make faith a necessary condition for eternal life, then I'll show you a greater number of sound bites that show works to be necessary for eternal life. Not as an evidence, but as a condition. Be fair with the Word of God. And we are being fair with the Word of God. They're all evidences. And if we don't add works to our faith, we don't have sufficient evidence that we are the children of God and we have eternal life. But by believing and obeying, we can know. Paul would say in 2 Timothy chapter 4 that he was confident that there was a crown of righteousness waiting for him when he got to heaven. And how did he word it? Because I made a decision for Jesus, because I had faith once upon a time in an Awana club, what did Paul say? I have kept the faith, I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course. Therefore, there is laid up for me. Paul understood everything. Romans 4 and verse 3 was given to combat Jewish legalists. Once Paul gets over that, he is going to show us that it's all by the sovereign power and grace of God in Romans 8, in Romans 9. It's just that right now he's dealing with legalists, and the easiest way to deal with them was to take that statement out of Genesis 15:6 that Abraham was declared righteous on the ground of faith before he was circumcised and over 300 years before Moses ever got the law on Mount Sinai. Therefore, it's not of the law, it's not of circumcision. It's all of grace, through faith, 
as the evidence that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only Jews, but Gentiles. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved.